Hello, and welcome to the Leadership Collective Podcast, a conversation focusing on the challenges that leaders face in ministry. Each month, we sit down with seasoned ministry leaders to discuss the nuts and bolts of how they've navigated specific challenges in ministry and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm Ted Leavenworth, pastor of Reliance Church in Temecula, California. And I'm Rob Sabato, lead pastor at Calvary Vista in Vista, California. The apex of our definition of success is not production or ministry growth, but it's health, optimum health in my life, in my family, in my mind. If I maintain that, everything else works. Everything is fine, but we don't. We make production kind of our um, epitome of, of success. And I think we can change that. Well, today on the Leadership Collective Podcast, we're talking about mental health in the ministry. Our guests today are Pastor Wayne Cordero and Pastor Wesley Town. 2020 was a hard year for leaders in ministry, and even though the calendar date has changed to 2021, it, not a lot has changed in that regard, certainly. And the church has seen more people quit the ministry than ever before. Um, and in the last couple of years, the church in America has has really seen some tragic headlines, you know, where you've got high-profile pastors uh, taking their own lives. Yeah, and our guests today are two men who know this subject well because both of them have lived through burnout and high seasons of stress in ministry, and they've made it out to the other side, becoming leaders that are much more balanced and healthy and who God is using uh, to using them to help other leaders around the country discover how to become more balanced in their leadership. Wesley Town is the founding pastor of Ecclesia Church in Eugene, Oregon. And when Wesley was there, uh, Outreach Magazine called Ecclesia the fastest growing church in the Northwest. And his wife was involved in a tragic accident that left her with health issues, really a, a brain injury that forced them to leave the cold weather of Oregon and move down to Southern California. And it was there that Wesley started the Better Days podcast, where he speaks frequently on the subject of following Jesus and mental health. Now, today, Wesley serves as the lead pastor of Bayside Church in Davis, California, and continues to minister to people around the world through the Better Days podcast. And Wesley is just an, has an incredible heart and a real gift of encouragement. Wayne Cordero is a living legend. He's the founding pastor of New Hope Christian Fellowship in Honolulu, Hawaii, with almost 12,000 uh, people in weekly attendance. And New Hope is also listed as one of the top 10 most innovative churches in America. And again, Outreach Magazine lists them as one of the top five churches to learn from. Uh, Wayne's the author of the book, Leading on Empty, uh, which is a must-read for any pastor or leader. Uh, and he spends a lot of his time today in ministering to and mentoring younger pastors and leaders. Yeah, and it's crazy. Wayne actually started a new church in Eugene, Oregon. He splits his time right now between... Uh Hawaii and Oregon, and he pastor. He started a new church during COVID. I mean, how crazy is that? But I'm really looking forward to this uh, conversation. And just gonna, these guys are both amazing, and I think they're going to bring just some incredible insight on this subject of mental health and ministry today. Can't so wait to get into it. Let's go for it. Well, hey, welcome to the conversation, guys. Hey, it's great to be here with both of you and also with Wesley, my good friend. Yeah. yeah, So good to be here with you guys. Thank you for having us on. And Wayne, you're a legend, and I'm so glad to have this conversation with you. Yeah, we are, we're very excited as well. And today we're talking about leaders and mental health. And Wesley, you've made it a part of your passion to really study the subject. And Wayne, you're in contact with mentoring just so many pastors and leaders. So I want to just ask you, just kind of start this off. How are pastors and leaders doing after 2020? I mean, that was a tough year. And so what are you guys seeing as you are talking and ministering and Wesley, you studying the subject? What's the Lord showing you guys? Yeah, I think we lived through one of the most challenging, if not the most challenging time to be a leader in our lifetime. So I think the complexity and the stress and all that people have experienced, particularly leaders over this last year, 
we've seen depression skyrocket, anxiety skyrocket as far as like percentage. I would say, you know, if you were going to give some descriptives of what leaders have felt over the last 12 to 15 months, exhausted, overwhelmed, anxious, stressed, tension, depressed, and burnout. And so no wonder so many pastors are thinking about potentially leaving full-time ministry in light of all that we have walked through and faced in this last year. Yeah, and, and there's even been, you know, guys who, unfortunately, we've seen guys that have taken their life. I know, Wesley, you've known a couple of those guys, and, yeah. and that's so tragic. What about you, Wayne? What are you, what are you seeing and sensing about um, what's going on right now in, in the world of pastors and leaders? Yeah, you know, I think the jury's still out and that uh, people are, I, I think there's going to be a changing of the guards. Uh, there's people that find that it's time for them to retire or to move on. Uh, it's been a tough time. Some of them will see their congregations dwindle because they went online for a while and the return rate is lesser than the uh, it was prior to COVID. And so it's going to exacerbate some decision making. And then you add to that, uh, like Wesley so aptly said, uh, the anxiety and the stress of all of that. Uh, there's going to be a changing of the guard. So the jury's still out. And I think over the next year, we're going to see the uh, either the rise or the fallout of all of this that's going on. And we're just going to need to address it and help uh, these uh, potentially great pastors to to work through it and come through it and outlast mm. the COVID stuff. Yeah, you yeah. know, <clears throat> I agree with you guys. And I, I like the way in the way you put it when you, you talked about um, how the the uh, the jury's still out in terms of how this is this is still unfolding because we talk about you know yes 2020 is past <clears throat> but um, but the the event I think it's kind of like a slow motion car wreck yeah, right totally. and it's still unfolding and so we have guys that have tapped out we have guys that are that are going to tap out uh, and then we have guys that are are reacting um, you know poorly to really navigating waters that none of us have ever navigated before, the pressure that is placed on us to, you know, have the answers and all of the metrics that we used to rely upon to gauge, you know, where we're at and, and so on. So many of those metrics have changed now to where, um, you know, it's just kind of hard to know, you know, find the you are here sort of thing and how do you navigate from here to to this nebulous unknown that is still yet ahead. And already all of that adds on to the complexities of just the pressures and burdens of being, you know, a pastor and a shepherd of, of ministry on top of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, and Ted, you know, a lot of us as pastors, we, we, we don't forget that we're pastors. We forget that we're human. Right. <laughs> so true. So good. And we, we're, we're on the edge ourselves. We're barely making it. Our fingers are hurting from hanging on to the ledge. <laughs> and yet we got to preach about the power of Christ, the beauty of his grace, and how people need to live. And we're barely hanging on right. ourselves. Yeah. But we can't, we can't share that, you see? Right. So when something like this happens, and that's, the, that's it, you know, that's the... Uh, uh, the, the uh, straw that breaks the camel's back at that point. So we have to preach as broken vessels. Mm. And that's where we need help. How can we continue yeah. to lead as broken vessels without being shattered? So that's good. I love that. I love that vantage point, Wayne. Uh, I think you're so right. The after effects are yet to be seen. But in the midst of everything that pastors are feeling and the high percentage of pastors that are considering quitting, I think we have an opportunity to speak hope yeah. and life and humanness yeah. into so many leaders to say, don't quit. Uh, there, there's a way forward. There are things that you can do to process this moment in a healthy way. So I really love that perspective. I think this is, this is a great moment for us to speak hope. Wesley, that's so good. I have a friend who <clears throat> I invited him to uh, to speak to a church planting class that I was teaching at the at the Bible College and um, and he he started off his talk to the guys and he said listen you need to understand all Satan has to do is get you to quit mm. that's all he's got to do is get you to quit and and all of the work that you that you hope to do um, if he can just get you to tap out and quit 
And that brings us, you know, to this idea about burnout, um, because it's a, it's a reality for so many pastors today, currently. And uh, help us guys understand, you know, burnout. It's kind of this all inclusive word and and label, but um, but it it it's nuanced. And so, uh, you know, Wesley, let's start with you. Just if you could kind of start with. You know, what's your your take on burnout? Maybe a definition of it, and maybe some examples of it, or or you know, things like that. Yeah, burnout <laughs> wasn't a clinical term until 1974, 1975. <laughs> so there was a psychologist in New York, and he was observing a group of volunteers, and he noticed that there was kind of a cynicism and emotional depletion in the volunteers, and that's when he define this word that we all like, it's kind of, you know, common nomenclature in our culture today. Right. And really it's a metaphor. It, it It's a metaphor of just the sapping of our energy mm-hmm. uh, and an emotional, mental, relational, or physical exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And so when you think of burnout, think of like the days that you were super passionate, like as a leader, you were, you had this fire burning inside of you. And now because of events and circumstances in your life, you just feel depleted and exhausted. And what's interesting, if you study burnout, and Wayne, like he wrote the book, so like, I'm not the expert, he's the expert. Uh, But when you study burnout, people who help people have a high rate of burnout. Mm. So think Mm -hmm. of, think of 2020, 2021. We're trying to help all, all these people in a digital space, we're trying to lead people, shepherd people, plant churches in such a complex environment. And so I think you only intensify the levels of exhaustion. You know, there's studies now on, uh, you know, just the psychological exhaustion from Zoom and all the digital space, you know, in 2020. But I think you just intensify that rate of burnout. And I think of burnout as like, Burnout occurs when we get stuck in an unhealthy negative cycle. Mm. That could be stress, that could be emotional depletion, that could be lack of sleep, that could, you know, there could be so many examples of that. And so when we feel that, you know, just kind of as an explanation, when we feel that burnout is there to tell us that something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And we really have to listen to that. We have to be tuned in and lean into when we're feeling those cycles in our life as leaders so that we don't go over the, the edge. And uh, I'll leave the rest to Wayne because he wrote a book and <laughs> his book helped me so much. And I'll share my story a little later. Right on. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Wayne, on the whole idea of burnout? Yeah, I think, you know, um, when we first start off, Rob, we, we go at, you know, Mach 4 because we're excited. There's zeal, there's excitement, there's everything is new. And, uh, And people then expect you to maintain and sustain Mach 4. And so the expectations on you uh, actually increase as you get more and more successful. When Wesley, when you were here, you did such a good job and and the church grew like crazy and people joined in with you, right? And and well, that that expectation doesn't flag. It actually increases. <laughs> right. And then you've got to maintain it. Even if you're sick. I remember when, you know, your dear wife was struggling with some physical things. Uh, the expectations on you did not dwindle. And now you have to you have to run at Mach 4 with a ball and chain on your foot and physical struggles and you keep going. So, uh, I mean, even now. I look at your bookshelf, Wesley, and look at mine. Such a brain. It's it's a prop. It's a green screen. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Wayne? I loved in your book in the chapter on finding still waters, where you talk about um, you know finding, knowing what drains you, and knowing what what recharges you. I just found that to be so incredibly helpful because like Wesley was saying, there's all these things that we go through that are constantly draining us. And if we're not learning how to recharge, um, you want to just touch on that for a minute? Yeah, I will. You know, uh, it's sort of like when you're in a car and you're zipping through town and you've got to take a corner or 
whatever. You, you've got to get your foot off the gas <laughs> and you still move forward, but you better not go at 65 miles an hour. It, it'll tell, there's signs that say 45 miles an hour. And, you know, a lot of times we don't listen to the signs because there's an expectation. People are, you know, saying, come on, go, go, go. And we keep our foot at 65. And that's when we start to spin out. And uh, so one is we've got to take our foot off the gas and then refuel at times. We think a pit stop is losing when it's really gaining and we've got to fuel up. So there are certain things in our life that we have to remember. And one is it's not a sprint. It's a long race and you better so take pit stops and you've got to fuel up. So what is it that fuels your tank? It could be reading. It could be walking it could be working out but two things i think are critical is is at the corners you better take your foot off the gas oh, and it's so good yeah it's okay to go 40 miles an hour for a while i don't care what the grandstand says and uh i, I used to care a lot mm. uh, but i don't anymore <laughs> and the other is stop at the pit stops and take your time and get fueled back up so what is it that fills your tank and what is it that drains your tank? I have pastors and leaders write down what drains my tank. Now, too much counseling or too much preaching or not being able to handle problems at home. Write it down. And then what is it that fills your tank? Playing basketball or surfing or whatever it is. And if you've got a time when you, you got to take your foot off the gas, go fill up. And take the time to do that. It's not a sin. It's probably honoring to God. Wow. Love that. I love the metaphor about, um, you know, seeing, you know, having the curve come and taking your foot off the gas. I know for me, one of the things that's gotten me in trouble um, is not seeing the curve that's coming. Mm. Uh, that I've got my foot on the gas and all of a sudden it's like you're driving a car and you, you just sort of get into this rhythm and, you know, you just don't have this perception, or maybe you see the curve, but you don't realize you're, you're gaining on it as quickly as you are. And all of a sudden, it's, you're on it, you know? How about you, Rob, in, in that regard? Because, you know, there are those times when, when we're going and we don't see the curve coming, you know? And, and you, know, any, you know, your experiences in that regard. Yeah, I, I think there was a, a time earlier in my, you know, ministry that I was your typical as a pastor workaholic. And, you know, we're serving the Lord and, and right. love what you do and, you know, that type of thing. And so um, I would just be running with my head down. And I think a lot of times that would be the reason why I didn't see the curve coming because yeah. I wasn't looking far enough ahead, I was just so ingrained in the moment of what mm -hmm. was going on. And and you're dealing with, you know, all the different things that are happening and stuff. And so it was easy for things to kind of creep up right. on, on me. And uh, and I had a few, you know, wrecks, yeah. <laughs> if you would, you know, where if I didn't get hurt, somebody else got hurt because, uh you know, I wasn't paying attention to, right. you know, what was going on and what was happening. That idea of running with your head down, I love that picture. Because, yeah. it, you know, I know for me personally, that's been my challenge so often. Where, uh, you know, it's, it's been said, you know, you, you work in the ministry, but you also have to work on the ministry. Yeah. And you and your family are part of the working on the ministry kind yeah. of component. And so often, and I think it goes with our generation to where we're in, and maybe a little bit even into our tribe, yeah. where it's been in, in, imposed on us that, that you know, you, you can sleep when you're dead, like work, 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 and there's souls to be won and there's work to be done. Um, so, yeah, that idea of, um, of, you know, running with your head down and, and not working on, you know, working in the ministry. It's just this constant day-to-day -day yeah. grind of working in, but not taking your foot off the gas, as you say, Wayne, to, to work yeah. on. Yeah. And I was going to say this too, just, and, and I think Wesley will probably be able to relate to this because Wesley and I were both athletes is, is, you know, I would find these times in, and something about ministry that I've learned is, I mean, it never quits. I mean, there's always needs, there's always, but I had this part of my type A, you know, Enneagram one, you know, personality where I think I'm going to catch up, 
And so I'm going to get this all caught up so I can manage it, you know. And so I'd stay at the church till midnight, you know, working <laughs> on something because I was just determined to kind of, I'm going to get this all, you know, put together. And then like a week later, I'd be behind again, you yeah. know. And the Lord finally just spoke to me one day and said, Rob, look, I want you, because I was neglecting my family is what was happening because of my being a workaholic. He said, look, you let me take care of this. And I, from there on, it was like, I'm going to hold ministry in an open hand so that God can move it and turn it and do whatever he wants. You let me take care of this. And I want you to focus on, on your wife and your kids. And that was one of the most freeing moments for me in ministry. And I'm glad I learned it at a younger age, but you know, what, what are your guys' experience on that? Yeah, I think uh, first I want to say, because you mentioned a lot about just this go, go, do, do mentality as, as a leader in ministry, uh, you know, it, the term hustle culture was quite popular um, over the last like 15 years, but it's actually being strongly resisted by, by the young generation, Gen <laughs> Z. So true. Uh, they, they do not want to have anything to do with hustle culture because they've seen the after effects of hus hustle culture in the church, outside the church. So I think that's actually really healthy. Um, but I agree with you. I think the demands never cease. And uh, the demands on us in ministry, we're always outweigh our own individual capacity to meet them. Yeah. And that's a really good space to like to be in where you say, hey, like I can't do everything. Right. And I, I'll never, I'll never complete all my, you know, to-do lists. I have so many on my phone, my Apple Notes to-do list, like three different categories, <laughs> and I never complete them. Right. Like they just keep more and more just keep piling up. At least they're there, right? And I'm somewhat right. organized, but <laughs> it's impossible for me. And I think you just got to get to that point as leader to say, oh my goodness, I have limitations. Like So true. I can't do everything. Yeah. It's that humanness thing that we are doing. <laughs> but that, see, that's the thing though. Those, those the, having the... The things, you know, ministry should be bigger than us. Yeah, it really amen. should be. If we're going to see the glory of God, you know, our vision needs to be bigger than us and the, and the, the tasks and what we're doing for the Lord needs to be bigger than us. But, um, but a lot of us take that. I know I've been guilty of this, um, not just in the past, sometimes even in the current, you know, where, you know, I, I'm doing great and I'm aspiring to do great things for God, but man, it's got a lot of my fingerprints on it, yeah. you know? Wayne, uh, for you, you've written a book, um, and you know, on on this subject, you, you know, you so many pastors face burnout and and go through, um, you know, are, are ministered to by your story, and so maybe you can just share with us a little bit about your your story. From yeah, running on you know, um, burnout for me anyway. Uh, it's sort of when uh, when God's glory meets our humanity and or God's infiniteness meets our limitation. Mm -hmm. And we come to grips with that. And if we ignore it mm -hmm. is when we burn, it actually incinerates us. And we have to come to the point of humility that, say, that says, I can't do it. I either have to build a better team or I've got to build a better teaching team or I've got to humble myself that I'm not the, the uh, Superman guy that everyone expects me to be. Because if you think about it, uh, people are not evil or malevolent, they, but they will love you to death. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They will love you to death because, you know, you're the pastor. You have to do the wedding. You have to do the baby dedication. You've got to come and counsel me. You've got to speak to my daughter. She'll only listen to Wesley. Wesley, <laughs> you've got to come. And so we love our people, and so we go. But then when God's infiniteness meets our limitation, we don't listen because we love the people and the people love us, and we kind of um, feed on that a little bit, and yeah. our, our inside needs that. Well, then you start running on adrenaline because mm -hmm. you have no more serotonin, your, your feel-good hormones, your endorphins are worn out, you're tired, you're fatigued and depleted. But so we switch fuels and we, we got to do this. We got to keep going because it's our duty. It's, it's our calling. Uh, we're gripped by this. I mean, you can 
you know, reason with so many different spiritual um, definitions. And but then we keep going. But somewhere along the line, fuel switched from a passion to adrenaline. Adrenaline is like nitric oxide. It gets you going for a while, but you burn on the inside faster than on the outside. And then when you have that adrenaline depletion is when I found myself in a fetal position uh, on the floor in pain. I was in physical pain crying. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I worked myself out of that, you know, because I'm kind of a disciplined guy. And then I was running one day and before a conference in uh, California and hit me again. I found myself on the curb. I was crying uncontrollably and my hands were shaking. And I looked at my hands and I said, something broke and I don't know what it is. Wow. I couldn't figure it out. And so I wiped myself up, cleaned myself, and then went and preached. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what we do, right? <laughs> yeah, we can't. Yeah, that's why the book, Leading on Empty. Yeah. yeah. It's expected of you, and you better figure it out along the way. So when I got back home, I called a psychologist friend of mine, and I said, I have no idea what's going on, but I think I'm having a heart attack. Wow. Because the symptoms are the same. I couldn't breathe. Uh, my jaw hurt. Uh, I couldn't sleep. And everything was going crazy. And uh, I, I said, I just need help. So when he ra- ran me through a battery of tests, I went to my doctor, battery of tests. And he said, no, you're not having a heart attack. You're having an anxiety breakdown. Mm. And if you don't deal with it, you'll move into clinical depression. Wow. And so, and I did. I, and then after that, I had a heart attack. So I've got three stents in my heart. Yeah. And after that, cancer. And so, so I'm a survivor of cancer now. And it's like everything started to break down. It's like the Lord said, if you don't listen, I'm going to take you home. Right. <laughs> now, Wayne, how, how old were you at that time? And how many years would you say that you had been leading on adrenaline? Well, I was 52 when I had the heart attack, but I had been in ministry about 20 years by that time. Okay. And it's somewhere between, uh, and it varies, but for me, between 18 and 22 years in ministry, uh, there you hit the wall like in a marathon. It's about mm. 22 miles, you know, you hit that wall and you better figure it out fast. Yeah. So as we as we consider this this subject, and um, you know, for for the guys that are planting their churches in the in maybe the first or second quarters of their ministries, let's say, um, you know, obviously what what you know what our what our hope for them is that they don't hit the curve too fast and have to do you know some corrective things, you know, um, reactively, but rather ministering to, you know, their, their mental and spiritual and emotional health proactively. Uh, so what, how would you guys speak to that in terms of lessons learned and, uh, you know, when, when everything's going great, how do we consider this topic and what are, what are some real practical things that, that we should be implementing as spiritual disciplines, as physical disciplines, as mental disciplines? Uh, Wesley, I'll start with you. Yeah. Hey, hey Wesley, think, uh, maybe before you answer that question, yeah, though, go ahead. why don't you share your story, though, too? Because you have a pretty unique story as well about, um, you know, when you hit burnout and what was going on. Um, I think it would be really good for... Uh, because you were in a little yeah. bit different space than where Wayne was at. And uh, so let's hear that and then yeah. come back to that question. Uh, you know, I was the early adopter of burnout <laughs> in <laughs> ministry. Um, and uh, I'm so glad to be here on, you know, this panel discussion with Wayne because he helped me immensely um, when I was on the precipice of the cliff, so to speak, of, you know, going to a really bad state. Uh, of just total depletion and exhaustion. So basically, uh, I moved to Eugene, Oregon from Maui, Hawaii um, when I was 25, planted a church at 26, which is really young. Learning curve is so steep. 
Um, and by our third Easter, we had 2,500 people. So the, the rate of growth was just incredible on the outside. Everybody's like, oh, you know, like I want to start a business or plant a church and just have it become like instantly successful and droves of people coming. But internally, you guys know this, that that puts so much stress and pressure. And especially being 26, 27, 28 years old, the amount that I had to learn in such a short period of time, I mean, we would be like, we would be like at 500 and like building systems for 500. And then like six months from there, we were at like 900 and we had to like re-engineer everything. And we were constantly doing that. And I would say from year three through five, I was living on adrenaline as Wayne described, just exhausted. I'm already like an achiever and a visionary and I love to work and I loved what I do. But sometimes when we love what we do, we can get ourselves in trouble. Hmm. And so I was, my, my symptoms were similar to Wayne, just constant anxiety that just would not go away. I felt like I was suffocating with anxiety day after day. Uh, I would have random panic attacks. I'd be driving to like a Wednesday night to teach Wednesday night because five, six, 700 people are showing up. And I would just go into a full-on anxiety attack. It got so bad. Year Right when we hit year five, we, we celebrated our five-year anniversary, anniversary as a church. We had two campuses at this point, one in Eugene, one in Springfield. And from the outside, everything was like super successful. But my wife had just gotten into a serious car accident. We didn't know it at the time, but she had a really severe brain uh, injury slash condition um, because of multiple car accidents. Mm -hmm. And then my body was just giving out. I would go up on Sundays with just trepidation, not wanting to teach or preach because every time for about a year on a Sunday, I'd feel like I was about to black out as I was teaching. And that was before four services a week. And so uh, I remember calling Wayne and saying, hey, I really need to talk. I'm not doing well. And within an hour, I was at his house um, and he sat down with me in his living room and I just started to spill like how I was feeling, how I was doing, uh, kind of the symptoms. And Wayne said to me, Wesley, you have to go on sabbatical right now. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot push anymore because if you do, the effects on your life physically, mentally, emotionally are going to be so great. And so he said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you and Kara come to Hawaii? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll help. You can teach a little bit at the church and just spend your summer there. So we did that and it was so life-giving. And Wayne shared his story with me. We, we spent time in Hawaii when he was over there. Um, and he shared his story with me, which gave me so much hope, uh, because, you know, sometimes I think even at that point, you know, 2012, 2013, you know, when you were successful in ministry, like I was in outreach magazine as youngest mega church pastor in the United States, you know, there was like a pressure to like be super, whatever, super leader, super pastor. And, and I didn't hear a lot of pastors sharing their stories at that point like with anxiety, depression, or burnout, or like the real human stuff that Wayne talks about. And so when Wayne shared his story with me and like how much I already looked up at him and all the things he did as a leader and a church planner, it gave me like the ability to just breathe Mm. and to know, oh, oh my goodness, if Wayne experienced this, then it's okay that I'm experiencing this. And now I have a mentor to help me out of it. Right. I'm not the only one kind of idea. Which was very, very life-giving to me. And so I think post that moment, you know, 2013 and 2014 and all the things that, you know, I was dealing with that Wayne had mentioned with my wife's health, God just gave me this like passion to speak on these issues and to say, there is hope. Like you can be an amazing leader you can do great things for Jesus, and yet you're still human. 
And we need more leaders. And they are talking about this and sharing their stories because being a leader is hard. Being a human is hard. And you <laughs> put those things together. Uh, it's a lot of pressure. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. And there's a, a huge learning curve. And the more that we can share our humanness, the more we give other leaders hope. Okay, so so on the on that idea, sharing your humanness, uh, being honest, being open with uh, with people that that you you can trust uh, to give you godly counsel. Uh, what else would you say though to those guys that really aren't even there yet? They're thinking, you know, that they're bulletproof still, or uh, you know, still riding the adrenaline high. Um, and Wayne, jump on in on this too, just as you guys yeah, Wayne, can address this. Wayne, you go first, and then. You know, I'll just piggyback and affirm everything he says. <laughs> so Wesley, when you're sharing it, it really touched my heart. And uh, um, <clears throat> because there's a lot of guys like you out there that have a, have a ton of potential. and um, But they're going down for the count. Mm. And they can't take a sabbatical because of the expectation on them. Mm. And... <clears throat> They, they lose their future. They lose their marriage. They, like Andrew Stockline out, out in Chino Hills, you know, he mm -hmm. took his own life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pastor. And, uh, and I look at that and I think the, the kingdom can't afford uh, these great leaders to be going down. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, <clears throat> something that we've got to do with our board maybe or ourselves, but to, to give um, what I call phone booths to these supermen you know i mean you gotta have a you gotta be clark kent sometimes but a lot of times in churches people don't allow you to be a clark kent you gotta be superman and they don't give you a phone booth mm. and uh, so like when you came wesley um, you were so over the edge uh, it was like urgent care you know if we didn't get you to urgent care we would lose you and and boy that just bothered me a lot because guys like you are rare and um, we need the kingdom needs you so badly uh, we can't afford any of that so oh, i think uh, if there's any leaders that are listening now and you think you are bulletproof uh, you ain't <laughs> the devil would want you to think that way so that you will ignore the speed limit signs on the curves and you think you're much better than you really are but uh, you're going to come to your limitation. And when you do, it's too late. Uh, I was uh, paddling out in the ocean and I was with a coach and uh, we carry a camelback because we, we paddle in uh, competition mode. We go for maybe four hours from Molokai to Oahu on a race. And uh, uh, he said, I want you every 15 minutes to pause and take a drink. And I said to my coach, uh, what if I'm not thirsty? He said, every 15 minutes, take a drink. I said, but I'm not thirsty. He said, listen, every 15 minutes, drink. And I said, why don't I just drink when I'm thirsty? He said, if you drink when you're thirsty, it's too late. Mm. Your body has already gone into dehydration. Mm. That's some great advice right there. Yeah, that's really good, Wayne. Oh, I so appreciate your, your you've got so much wisdom because you've lived this and you have such a pastoral heart, which is an amazing combination. Um, and uh, I just love the things that you share. They're, they're helping me even in this moment. Um, I think post like for me, post that experience, I think I did a lot of reflecting and re-engineering. And I think that I came to the conclusion that like first and foremost in my life, I want to be a healthy and flourishing follower of Jesus. Amen. Instead of being a leader or Superman or, you know, whatever it is that measures our success. And what's interesting is the more I read the gospels, you see this pattern in the life of Jesus where he did ministry and he had crowds literally caving in on him. And then he would be like, hey, guys, we're going to go to this solitary place, be alone. We're going to rest. I'm going to pray. And I love this pattern of ministry, rest, solitude, 
gratitude prayer. And I think the conclusion that I came to is that my input needs to be equal to my output. Hmm. And I would say to leaders, that is a really smart thing to intentionally build into your life where just like Wayne says, we cannot flourish and thrive on empty. Um, so how am I intentionally creating input mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally to fill my tank so that I'm not getting to the point where I'm running on adrenaline? And I think we said this earlier, but we can't let our demands dictate our rhythms because mm. they're always going to, you know, overwhelm uh, our rhythms. We have to live an intentional life. We have to learn not just to lead others, but to lead ourselves. And so learning those limits, even for like visionaries, because I know most leaders are visionaries, we love progress. Yeah. Uh, and we live in an age of progress, but progress is good and bad because um, Every time that we implement progress, we put pressure on ourselves and pressure on our systems and mm -hmm. pressure on our people. Yeah. So, how do we choose wisely um, and think more deeply about our progress and um, and defining progress? How do? Yeah. What is progress? You know, maybe even just our definitions are wrong. But I think, like, for me, I just said I don't want to gain outward success and lose my own well-being as a follower of Jesus. Right. Yeah. So I just need to rethink through all of this. And so if you, you haven't hit burnout, think through that now. Mm -hmm. What does it look like for you to be a healthy, thriving follower of Jesus more than a leader? That is like first and foremost. <laughs> and then how can you follow the patterns of Jesus so that you have consistent rhythms of input so that you can be healthy in your output yeah. while learning your limits as well? And you know, one of the things, guys, that I, I think <clears throat> speaks into this conversation that we sometimes forget, and, and Wayne, you alluded to this, and it's something I think that we experience that maybe the, the normal person coming to our church doesn't experience it to the degree that a pastor does, and that's the spiritual battle. It's the attack of the enemy that is on our life. And I remember when I was pastoring in Oregon during that time, um, I got to the point where I had went through so much a, a, of a time of depression that I literally was having suicidal thoughts for about three months, very, very distinctly, very heavily. And part of the whole thing was I just forgot. I feel embarrassed to say it as a pastor. I forgot that I was in a battle. Mm -hmm. I forgot that there was a devil who hates my guts. And I was looking at everything just rationally, you know? And, and I think that's something that we also have to really remember is that, you know, there's a bigger target on right. our backs, right? I mean, is that true? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as a, as a twist on that too, not, not only, I mean, sometimes we're, we're, we are our own worst enemy. Um, I know for me, when I was planting my second church, I, I went through a time I wasn't suicidal but I was hoping God was homicidal. And I would pray every night for the first 15, 16 months of my church plant. I would beg God to kill me. And I meant it. I, I thought, I, here was my reasoning. I've got life insurance. My wife and family will be fine. Take me in my sleep, Lord, and don't let me go through another day. But what I failed to realize was that God was breaking me, mm. that I was dealing with a serious pride issue. And so in that instance, it was God eviscerating me, um, and I wanted to get away from the breaking, and God wanted me to, to break already and realize that, that I was filled with pride. But the end, you know, it goes back to the, the same root thing that we're talking about, which is really a, an unhealthy dependence on self, an unhealthy yeah. focus on self in the ministry. Where you start running on adrenaline. Go ahead, Wayne. Yeah, you know, uh, because we serve people, Wesley said it so well, people that serve others have a greater susceptibility to burnout. Because you want to serve people so much, and that's your life's call, right? That's your right. passion. That's what God's asked you to do. So you pour yourself into it. You try to meet everybody's needs. And uh, what I'm about to say sounds a little dumb, but we have to break out of that and get a little, here it is, a little selfish for mm. self-care. Yes. For example, while I'm talking to you right now, I had two texts come on my computer saying, we need your scripture for this Sunday's <laughs> message. When are you going to get it to us, you know? 
And so you have these demands that are, and I just have to like ignore it. I'm just, yeah. no, I'm doing something else. You can wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but before I used to not, I would be right now, um, I would be multitasking, you know, and sending them stuff. But you come to a point where you say no. And what you also said, uh, Rob, about the uh, enemy putting a target on you, when you become susceptible to burnout, you become uh, a target for the enemy. You become very, very vulnerable to spiritual attack. And I'll share this with you in that when I was at my lowest low, it was a very dark time in my life and I was filled with anxiety and my mind was going yeah. and uh, I, I was losing my rationale. I, right. I couldn't think right. Yeah. And I would, even the thoughts that I would think weren't right. Uh, yeah. And even though I thought it was correct, my decisions were incorrect. Right. And uh, it was one night when I was uh, struggling, struggling with it. I, I thought, I got to get out of this ministry, but I don't know how to get out of the ministry. <laughs> and then a thought came, uh, because if I resigned, people wouldn't like it and they right. would, you know, whatever. And so a thought came across my mind and in Greek, it's a word noema, it's a flaming dart, but it just came across and it said, here's your way out. If you died, people would give you a pass. Right. Mm. And they would be at your funeral and say, you know, what a nice person he was, etc. And so I was laying there in my bed and it got really, really dark. And it was almost like all of a sudden, it was like death became a greater gift than living. Mm-hmm. Death was a greater gift than life. And at that moment, I knew Lucifer had entered my room. Yeah. And I thought, now that is a demonic thought. And uh, I got out of bed, got on my knees, and started singing and worshiping and praying. And I went out on my porch and I began to weep. And I said, Lord, uh, it, it's tough now, but joy cometh in the morning. Thank you, Lord. And I continued to pray and walk until the dawn, mm. uh, sunlight, and then I knew I was okay. I had to outlast that and overcome it. So when you talk about spiritual warfare, you weren't kidding. Yeah. The enemy can mm. smell it when you're about to lose your grip on that precipice. Yeah. yeah, that's so well said. I think, you know, just thinking about suffering and mental health in the Bible, I think Satan always tries to capitalize on our weaknesses and capitalize on those seasons of suffering and pain and exhaustion. And I just thought of a scripture, you know, I think maybe there's probably a lot of leaders out there that you feel that right now. You feel that those thoughts that are coming into your head, the exhaustion, not knowing how to go forward, um, And you know this verse, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Uh, And I think the way through the valley is through the valley. Mm -hmm. It's a journey. You know, it's a hard place to be in. It's, It's a hard place to be when you feel like death is a better outcome than life and all the complexity and stress and pressure and where you're at mentally and emotionally but there is hope. Eventually you'll get out of that valley. And the good news is you're not alone. Uh, There's other leaders that can totally relate to you, but even more important than that, God's presence is with you every step of the way. Don't give up, don't throw in the towel, don't self-sabotage, follow Jesus through the valley and there is hope for better days for you. Mm, I love that. That is good. You know, I want to just take this one step further in the idea of just a, the practicalness of this idea. And Wayne, I'm going to give you a, an opportunity to rebuke me if you want. But um, <laughs> I've been in ministry for 37 years now, 25 years at my current church, and I have never taken a sabbatical. And um, one of the the reasons I've never taken a sabbatical is because um, I'm in a blue collar area. Uh, a lot of the people that come to our church are, you know, real hardworking blue collar people. And a lot of them, even guys on my leadership, 
wouldn't understand that. But what I have learned to do is to create healthy rhythms in, in my life. And uh, my wife and I, we vacation well. And we do, you know, our day off is sacred. And it usually starts, you know, Thursday afternoon and then goes all the way through, you know, Friday. But one of the things I've learned for me, you talk about having, Wesley, you mentioned your input being as, as great as your output. For me, rest involves exercise. And um, I get replenished when I exercise. So, you know, a couple uh, weeks ago, I got up in the morning, I paddleboarded in the morning, um, great time of prayer out on the water. And then my wife and I in the afternoon took a 20-mile bike ride. We have electric bikes, I will say that. But it was a 20-mile bike ride together and uh, came home and walked my dog. And then I swam in the pool and swam with my grandson. And I just felt so refreshed after all of that. And um, and and that's, you know, for me, what Sabbath kind of looks like is, you know, just that refreshes me. But also there was another time where I spent about eight hours in my backyard working on our yard. And I was just eight hours out working, working on the yard, listening to podcasts. And I remember coming at the end of that day and saying to my wife, I just spent a whole day and I have not spoken to a single person. (laughs) And I feel so refreshed right now. (laughs) You know? So, you know, I'm thinking guys out there might not, they might think, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a soul pastor. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm bivocational. Uh, there's no way I could ever take a, a Sabbath or sabbatical. Um, like, you know, some guys advocate, I know you write about that in your book and, and, uh, but can that be accomplished through just developing healthy rhythms? Yeah. You know, for me anyway, absolutely. You can, it's, it's the rhythm. That's the, uh, the key word. It's not sabbatical or a Sabbath day off. It's rhythm. You, Everyone has to find their unique rhythm. And it's not always going to be arpeggios all the way through. You've got to have some legatos. You've got to have some whole notes in your music. And it doesn't have to mean the end of a song and you wait a year before you write the next one. It could be a, a season of legatos where it's just slowing down. Mm-hmm. I've learned uh, on this, I speak about three Sundays and I'm off and I let my son speak or another person, one of our other staff speak. And then uh, once a month, I Sunday after I speak, we go from Sunday through Wednesday, we go camping with the grandkids. So my weekend is Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, I come back Wednesday. Yeah. So the rhythm works really well for us in that way. And Wesley, you might want to share too, but Sabbatical for me is when you come to the end of your rope, you need to build more rope. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a sabbatical. <laughs> I love that. You come to the end of your rope, you got to build more rope. Right. That's, that's, that's the best definition of sabbatical I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking notes <laughs> right. as we speak. <laughs> I'm tweeting oh my that, goodness. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think for me, I'm I'm similar to you, Rob. By the way, you should just tell people you went on a 20 mile bike ride every week, right. and don't tell them it's an electric bike. You're crushing it, man! 20 miles—that's amazing. I—that's I, what I've done. I've built in rhythms um, that I think will last for the long haul. So, like, I wake up every morning, put water on my face, put on my you know Nike shorts and Nike shirt, and I go straight to my treadmill and I run. And I read my Bible every morning on the treadmill, memorize scripture and just run. And that, that helps me immensely. And then I think, you know, Sabbath is a gift. Jesus is like, hey, like God has given you Sabbath as a gift for you. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think that having a weekly, you know, period of rest helps us to understand our limitations but also refuels us as well. So for me, like every week, keeping that rhythm is so vital and so important. Um, Anybody who's in ministry that says, I have to work seven days a week, um, I think that you have to reflect on that like mindset uh, because 
God didn't work seven days in a week. Um, <laughs> and Jesus didn't either. And so, if God took a day of celebration and reflection over his creative work, then I think we need to take a day of celebration, reflection, and rest as well. So, I think what Sabbath teaches me is that I'm not the hero and work is not the ultimate, you know, uh, value in life, but taking a day, uh, you know, to, to cease from work, focus on God, focus on my own health and taking care of myself, self-care is really valuable. So I think that we just need to impart really healthy rhythms. And I would tell pastors, make sure you communicate those to your staff, to your board, and even the need for them, vacation time, because we would rather do this, like Wayne says, in, in a marathon way rather than as a sprint. We yeah. would rather end well and not just start well, but taper off and leave the ministry. Yeah. So we have to be intentional in communication and in how we like, you know, map out our life um, around Jesus. And so I think that it's really, really important for me to do that. Yeah. Please, something really good, and that—I uh, mean, you always say good stuff, but but uh, uh, I think the optimum uh, symptom of our life of what success is uh, should not be production; it should be health. Uh, if I'm healthy, that's what I want to maintain. Because I tell people, work harder on yourself than you do on your ministry, because when you improve everyone around you become automatic beneficiaries of your health, of your yeah. improvement. And so if our, our uh, the apex of our definition of success is not production or ministry growth, but it's health, optimum health in my life, in my family, in my mind. If I maintain that, everything else works. Yeah. Everything is fine, but we don't. We make production kind of our um, epitome of of success, and I think we need to change that. And I think we allow other people to put their burdens of production upon us as well. We willingly accept that. Wayne, you had mentioned uh, a little while back, uh, earlier in our conversation, you you had mentioned uh, church boards and um, and their role in the pastor. And Wesley, you, you said the same thing, talking about communicating to uh, the people in your congregation and to your boards. We're doing an episode um, in the near future where we're going to address the subject of church boards. I have a feeling it's going to turn into several episodes because there's so many facets of that. Um, I always tell the, the kids in my church planning uh, class that, that you know your board is, is a bigger deal than most guys think. Yeah. Uh, and one of the areas where I think a church board is so valuable is in um, the the care that they um, that they give to the pastor, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know often the the mindset of production can actually creep into the board to where the board is more driving of the pastor for the goal of production as opposed to caring for the pastor and. And part of, you know, I'll tell you, you know, for my board, I, I thank God for the guys on my board. They, their care of me, is, and because it's our accountability, right? Our board is our accountability, um, especially in, in the Calvary Chapel form of government, where you know uh, sometimes cal- accountability can be can be a real issue, you know. But in in my experience, my board is are those guys that are are pressing me to say. Um, you know, how is your marriage and are you taking enough time for your marriage? And I'm accountable to them mm-hmm. for for that time. I had a good friend who was planting a church out of state and um, I was on his board, but he put so much pressure on himself that he wouldn't take any time off. And, and I kept calling him on it. And finally, it had been over a year and a half, he'd never taken a Sunday off. Uh, never taken, you know, his foot off the gas. And his burden was what you had mentioned, Rob, where he was talking about, I'm a small church, I don't have a lot of money in the bank, and every Sunday it's for all the marbles, and <laughs> I don't have a pool of guys that I can call on. And I said, you can call on me. 
I yeah. mean, I, I'll I'll fly up here and and yeah. give you a week and and we'll you know we'll take we'll take care of you so you can take that time off. But I think the role of your board helps you, especially when you're when you're being deceived or even buying into the lie that no, I have to do it. I'm the only guy that can do it. And I think a good board tells you, no, you're not. You know, um, so. Yeah, we're not Superman, um, like you guys are saying, and understanding that we're human and having, you know, guys on your board or leadership team who will hold you accountable and remind you of that is so, so important. Any thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, you know, Rob, I I, um, orient my board and I say there's only three things, sort of like, you know, the Council of Jerusalem saying, uh, don't take all the burden off the Gentile. Just give them these three things. That's all. But I say there's three things. Number one, you need to know where every penny goes, what comes in and what goes out. So that's called stewardship. And then the second thing is keep your finger on the pulse of all the things going on in the church so to make sure that there's no heresy being taught in teaching or in attitude or in mm. spirit. So, which means they have to be involved to keep their finger on the pulse of every area of the church to make sure there's no heresy, no mission drift. But then I said, the third is you oversee the health of the pastor and his family. Love that. So good. Because if he or his family goes down, everything else goes down. So those are the three things. You need to have financial stewardship, but you also need to keep your finger on the pulse of the church to make sure that there's no mission drift or heresy. And in spirit or in teaching, but the third is you keep your finger on the pulse of the health of your pastor and his family. And if you do those three things, your church will do well. Amen. Amen. My answer is what Wayne said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, guys, um, that's about all the time we have for today. But thank you so much, both of you, for taking time to be on this podcast and sharing this conversation. It's such an important conversation. And we just have a ton of love and respect for both of you. And um, Wayne, you're my hero. You planted a church during COVID. I mean, how crazy is that? Talk about not burning out. Like you just start tapping out, like I'm gonna just go for it. Um, Did you have people asking you like, are you crazy? Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh man, that's so good. So well, good. again, thank you both for being with us. We're so grateful for for that and um, for your time, for the lessons that you guys have learned and uh, the the wisdom that you have to impart. We're grateful. Thank you. Yeah, and I would just add this. If you are listening and you have not read um, Pastor Wayne's book, Leading on Empty, it is a must read. It is so good. Um, it ministered to my heart just deeply. Thank you so much for writing that and sharing your story and just being vulnerable um, in that way. It's uh, very appreciated. And know from our heart, and I know Wesley's as well, if there's any way that we can help uh, anyone that's listening, please email us, let us know. We'll always make time because uh, every single one of these leaders are crucial the kingdom of God's advance. That's so important. Yes. We'll put the your emails in the show notes, but for right now, just listening in on the podcast, what are, what are your, your email addresses? Just my name, Wayne Cordero at, and you can just put uh, newhope.edu. That's our college, newhope.edu. Right so on. my name at newhope.edu. And Wesley. And mine is hello at wesleytown.com. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks guys. Blessings. God bless you guys. Hey, um, thanks so much for taking the time and uh, doing that. It was really a great conversation. And um, man, Wayne, I could I could just listen to you. I'm, I'm thinking right. I'm thinking we got to do another one of right. these because there were some other things I wanted to ask, but you know we kind of hit that hour mark, and that's sort of our you know. I'll tell you how that show will go. It will start the clock, and we'll say Wayne go. <laughs> <laughs> But when you do the one on the board, you know, let me know. I'd love to jump in on that because, boy, yeah, I think that's good. people don't know how critical boards are. They can make or break a pastor. Oh, my goodness, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. um, cool. we, we will take you up on that. That For would sure. be wonderful. Wesley, awesome. thank you so much. It, it's wonderful. I, I've never met either of you, and it was so wonderful to talk with you guys, and I'd love to, to have this opportunity again. You know, it was yeah. it was funny. Wesley and I were talking last week, and and uh, I I love him so much, and 
And uh, we we literally had this hour-long conversation as we were just talking. And then I asked him, I go, have we ever met each other? Because I couldn't remember, and we actually haven't. Right. But we've talked a bunch on the phone and uh, just love, love your heart. And I love the fact, Wesley, in your story that you are in such a just restful, peaceful place right now. And knowing what you came out of, I mean, it's just such a, a neat testimony. And I totally get that. You know, talk about minimalistic, your office and everything, right. Wayne. I totally get that from you. I mean, just the the joy and the restfulness exudes from both you guys. And um, that's a blessing, man. Such a blessing. Right yeah. Thanks, you Thanks for having us. I'm amazing having this chat with you guys. And, and Wayne, maybe you and I need to have some of these chats with groups of pastors just to encourage them, you Absolutely. know? I'll call me, Wesley. Anything with you, um, I'm on. Oh my goodness. What an honor for me. Love you, Wayne, so much. And let's definitely catch up soon. Okay. Blessings, guys. Thank you for listening. Our goal with this podcast is to help you lead well through all seasons and challenges of ministry life. So we'll see you next time on The Leadership Collective.